Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Big news, peers. It's our fifth year anniversary and we're so excited to be celebrating by running a London podcast tour and interviewing the most influential entrepreneurs that London has to offer. Cheers to five years, peers. We hope you enjoy. Opwe, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you as our second guest for our 2022 London podcast tour. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Michelle. Of course. You know, you and I recently connected through none other than our amazing sponsor, Shopify. And when I looked into you and the incredible work you've done in e-commerce and the jewellery space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed learning about your podcast and listening to you know some of the wonderful creators and entrepreneurs that you've had it's been inspiring yeah thanks well look for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do tell us a little bit about yourself so um i'm a co-founder of omolola jewelry which is a west african inspired jewelry brand Uh, our brand focuses on creating a sense of home particularly for black women, because often in the fashion and the jewelry industry, there's just no real representation of black women. And whenever you look at jewelry, the focus is always on the homogenization of jewelry as ethnic jewelry. But it doesn't say specifically where the jewelry is from, what it means to people. And what we do at Omolola is try to focus on the artistry, the richness, the history of West African cultures so that the wearers can carry a piece of home with them. Oh my goodness, Opwe, it's so incredible. And I'm half Nigerian, not many people would know that, but I am and I wear it proudly. And so your brand just resonates so much with me personally, and I'm sure so many out there. But look, before we dive into your work and the business, I want to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, where did you grow up and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? I was born in Nigeria and I lived there until I was 13, Lagos specifically. And then I moved to the UK when I was 13 because my mom got a job as a nurse in the UK. So I grew up between Nigeria and, well, Lagos specifically, and um, Kent So in the UK. And what was that like kind of having two different cultures to identify with, to navigate yourself through, you know, growing up, what was your biggest struggle? 
I think growing up, my biggest struggle was the transition because in Nigeria, I had lots of friends. It was really sunny. The food was amazing. It, it was just a completely different culture. There's a lot more open. So when people have a problem with you, you will know. And if they don't have a problem, well, it's fine. But I think it was difficult to navigate how the British communicate things because sometimes you think something is okay, but it really isn't. So it took some time to acclimatized to that way of being and to be honest when I grew up in Kent I think apart from my siblings I was the only black kid in my school oh and there was one boy briefly and then he left so it was difficult I think yeah I felt like a fish out of water I think, you know, being black and growing up in societies that are predominantly white can be super tough. And I know there were so many times where I felt like I was misplaced. I was not, you know, understood and whatnot. For our peers out there listening who perhaps feel that way, you know, maybe they're half Indian or, you know, from Nigeria as well or wherever it may be and living in kind of the Western world, what advice would you give to us around becoming okay with everything we have to deal with or I guess more so than that the ability to navigate through it and not kind of dim our own light I think what I would suggest is really really read but I understand that of course reading privileges one way of um, approaching knowledge so I think it's really important to get to know your culture and really understand it and love it There is beauty in different ways of being, in different ways of knowing, in different ways of loving, of living. And you always have to interrogate yourself on certain things. So if, for instance, you look at yourself and you're like, I'm not pretty, why? But why? And keep going further and further. And then you'll probably get to the bottom of it and realize that this is something that is not you. It's external of you. And reading and falling in love with personally, feminist, particularly black feminists like um, Bell Hooks, Odd Lord, um, reading some of the works that they have, or as many as you can, ideally, I think you will really get to know who you are and that you're valid, you're necessary, and just you existing is enough. You don't have to prove anything. I think that's a lesson that I've learned through, you know, getting into that sort of um, theory um, as well as just um, learning more about my culture, I think. Like the good, the bad and the ugly because we're not supposed to be one-dimensional and perfect. We don't always have to show the excellent part of us. We can be messy. That's normal. Absolutely. And when we talk about messiness for you, What's something messy about you, you know? Is there something that you can share with us that you had to overcome perhaps? I think I'm a perfectionist. (laughs) So that's difficult being a perfectionist, especially if you have, I'd say, immigrant parents. And I'm not saying that because it's an attack on them. No, that's a survival mode for them to think that the way for them to protect you for some of the challenges that you're going to experience is to tell you you have to be the best at all times. But then at the same time, you get to a point where you don't feel enough because you're not perfect. And then you begin to, you know, obviously I also think mental health is important. So working with therapists and once again, 
those um, theories that I've spoken about helped me to understand that I am enough. And yes, I will continue to make mistakes. And yes, it will be difficult. But some of those challenges are not within my control. Um, and anecdotally, I love shopping. So <laughs> I think that's Don't the messy, another messy part of me that everyone's fed up of, especially my partner. <laughs> Naturally. Well, he'll get over it. I love that. And I think this idea of being enough is something that I've personally struggled with so much. I think, you know, as high achievers and so many of our peers out there listening, I'm sure we'll be able to resonate. We put so much pressure on ourselves to perform, to be the best, to have the best business, to make, you know, a lot of money, to make a lot of impact, you know, for our peers out there listening and really also just for me, you know, what advice would you give around, appreciating that we are enough and that so that we don't put so much pressure on ourselves I think it's still an ongoing journey from Mm. being honest um and some of the ways of appreciating that you're enough is get help Mm. I think it's not always easy to remember that when you're having a difficult month let's say the sales are not where they need to be and it feels like the collection is a reflection of you and Mm. just maybe people don't like it but getting help talking to a therapist um which my sister and I have we have a couple therapists love that (laughs) so that we can run the business and not kill each other (laughs) you know um so I think what I would advise is get a therapist get friends that um are not just in whatever mm-hmm. sector you're in. So you can have conversations with them that don't evolve around how you're not perfect in one area and get a pet. Honestly, having a cat, she doesn't care. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, when she expects to be fed, she wants to be fed. When she wants cuddles, she wants cuddles. So those things help me to pull myself away from, oh my God, I haven't done this right. And then I focus on, you know, Lola crying in front of me and demanding attention. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. I love it. So simple. Get yourself a cat, guys. Mm. It's lesson of today. No, I absolutely love that. And Opwe, I want to talk a bit about the transition into entrepreneurship for you. So for our peers out there listening who don't know, Opwe is actually Dr. Opwe, which is absolutely Awesome. So you did your doctorate of your doctor of philosophy, a PhD in banking, corporate finance and securities law. Um, And you graduated back in 2020. Dr. Opwe, how did you go from academic to entrepreneur? What was that journey like? So while I was doing my PhD, so I, I, I knew from the second year of my undergrad that I wanted to do a PhD because this is really geeky to say. I was reading a chapter in a textbook and it made, it was so wonderful. I felt like I was going to cry. <laughs> Such a geek. I love it. I love and it. And then it was at that moment that I knew that I was going to do a PhD. I just thought I must get, this is just so wonderful, this this knowledge thing. Um, and so I went on to do my PhD at the University of Leeds. Um, I looked at director's conflict of interest because I wanted to understand why it is that the manner in which conflicts of interest are managed, essentially. So I wanted to get to the bottom of that. But while I was doing that, I realized that a PhD demanded only one form of knowledge. And that had to be the 
written word. Other form of knowledges are often, at least within um, law, I can't speak for other disciplines, but I know that other form of knowledges are often dismissed as anecdotal. It's not objective. And I find I found that very stifling because I think I'm a creative um, an Aquarius, so I always like to express myself in different ways. And I've always been interested in fashion. But I knew that I couldn't really pursue it because we didn't have the contacts. And, you know, I'm an immigrant, first generation immigrant. It wasn't going to work. So while I was doing the PhD, my sister and I, um, people would often compliment us about like our jewelry and fashion and stuff. So we thought, let's start, you know, making some pieces. And we started in 2018. And yeah. I love the transition from side hustle to full time. What was that like for you? Firstly, in the early days, balancing it all, PhD, oh my goodness, so much happening. And then also trying to build a business. What was that like, Opwe? And for our peers out there listening who are juggling that right now and they're feeling lost, confused, really stressed, you know, what advice would you give to us? I think... In the beginning, it was just fun. I just couldn't believe that it, it was working because we were just mm. like, you know, uh, black women don't feel seen in the jewelry industry. We're just going to launch some pieces, name them West African names, and then put them on, you know, go on Shopify, start, do some ads on Facebook. And then people were saying things like, thank you so much. Um, this is named after my grandma who's just passed away. And it feels like I feel seen. And it was at that moment that it became clear to us that this is a thing. There are people who need this because they don't often feel seen. And that's how we've kept going and opportunities have come. We've been featured in Vogue and uh, we've worked on TikTok, Shopify. It's been wonderful. The turning point for us was around 2020 when all of a sudden the pandemic hit and we're like, well, it's yeah. time to pack it up. <laughs> but then... Um, one day we just started having lots of sales and I will not lie, my sister and I had a panic attack because we were just like, we, we just, we sell 200 pounds. Why is it? Yeah. Why does it keep going? <laughs> so after getting over that panic and like, can we do this? Um, we just got on with it. Mm-hmm. I think for anyone who's thinking of making the transition, save as much money as possible because we know that we're going into a recession be very, very wise, save as much as possible. Go on platforms like Shopify. It's very easy to set up. You can create a website easily. I'm not a web developer. I'm an academic. (laughs) So I think we just kind of put it all together and we've got a website. So I think definitely do that. Test, start small. It doesn't hurt to start small. And don't be afraid to change your vision if you need to. There's nothing wrong with doing your side hustle for five years, six years. If you need to, don't rush. Because if you rush, then you won't really get to enjoy the, the moment and why you started in the first place. And you don't, want to, you don't want your side hustle to make you unhappy. That's a passion project. So, yeah. So true. Was there ever a time where your side hustle or your business made you unhappy? and made you cry and just made you want to scream Mm. you know and if so how did you navigate through that I think there have been a number of Mm. times (laughs) that um the side hustle has made us I'd say Tyrell and I 
quite unhappy while well, I speak for myself because she's not here. Um, I think when we launched uh, the mask collection, like for instance, we'd had conversations with people and they've said, oh, we want you know, the pieces to be made of sterling silver and blah, blah, blah type of gold. And then we launched that. They were like, mm, nobody wanted to pay the price. So it just felt kind of like demoralizing. Like, well, I thought you guys wanted this. We did a whole survey and stuff about this, about what type of material you want and stuff. So I think that was a, a learning moment, if you can say. So yeah, that's been an example of when I've wanted to cry meeting investors oh Ooh. yeah <laughs> never are... done it don't know if i will <laughs> those those are moments that make you want to cry because mm. first of all we are women uh, or you know we're black women in the fashion industry talking about jewelry so it's first you're talking about something that uh is seen as frivolous so people won't take it seriously they might invite you for meetings but just because i don't know maybe they are bored and you're all prepared and stuff and they just, you know, mess you around. So I think those moments can be very demoralizing and you feel rubbish, excuse me. But then you realize that like, it's not necessarily the business, it's other factors that are, ex you know, external. And so you go back to the drawing board, obviously you cry, you scream, you eat your ice, ice cream, whatever you do, what you need to do. And then then you come back the next day and then just continue, I think. Or if you need to take a week, don't you don't necessarily need to come back the next day. <laughs> How do we continue when we feel like we've given everything we've got? You know, I think back to year two, year three of the business. And honestly, I wanted to bang my head against the wall and I just thought, is this ever going to work out for us? Like, why is everyone else so successful? And here I am trying to string two pieces of, you know, thing together. You know, for our peers out there listening who feel that way, you know, what would you say to us? I'd say it's okay to take some time to reflect mm. um, and it's okay to be sad about it because I think it's very easy to want to be super positive in a way that you don't really feel because you're like oh but I've done this and I was you know I got this award and but no just be honest with yourself you're, you're feeling low you're feeling sad what can you do so I don't think it hurts to rethink about the strategy the branding um, it also doesn't hurt to maybe think do I need to keep this a side hustle for longer so that I don't destroy the passion because I'm so, like, I'm expecting it to give a lot, but it's still a tiny little seed. So I think it's really good to take that time, reflect, find people you can shout and scream with, probably a therapist, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> They're best story. place to, like, <laughs> understand that and to give you, like, good advice that you wouldn't you know self-destruct mm. so i think definitely reflect and read there's there are a number of um good books out there about branding about investing and i think they're, they're helpful to read and even if you don't like books you can 
go for audiobooks mm. maybe because you're so busy trying to keep the business alive <laughs> i think read listen to um podcasts um about other successful entrepreneurs um other entrepreneurs because success is relative mm. so other entrepreneurs read stuff that make you laugh listen to stuff that make you laugh just realize that the business is not you there's so much more to you and it's okay for you to take a step back even if that means you can change it from a full whatever into a side hustle or take a while longer to keep it as a side hustle or change the direction of the business Mm. that's also okay or close it I think one of the lessons that I've learned in the last few years because I've seen a number of friends either end their business or like stop their PhD is that it's not a failure because you've learned something about yourself. So it will be hard and there'll be a lot of shame, but that's okay. So I think, yeah, that's what I'll suggest. Mm. So valuable. What's the number one thing that you've learned about yourself in the last year? I think I value relationships more than anything. I think that's a lesson that I've learned in the last year. Because I feel like relationships are our life force. Because, you know, it's all well and good to build a fantastic business. But if you've terrorized everybody Mm. (laughs) around you, (laughs) you have no friends, Mm. you don't have no, you know, if you're not, if you're into romantic relationships, you don't have that either. You don't have Mm. time for anything. What's the point? Mm. So I think relationships are really, really important. And I think we can't underestimate the power of relationships, including like business relationships and like friendships and mentorships and yeah, relationships. I, love that. I, think. I just so resonate with that. And I think so much of the time we can get so caught up in our businesses, in growing, in our day to day that we can neglect. I mean, I've, there's definitely been moments in the last year, even during the pandemic, where, you know, some of some relationships have just dropped off and you know for our peers out there listening who perhaps feel like that's the case for them you know what advice would you give to us around building really genuine strong relationships I think um it's really important to be as transparent as you can allow yourself to be Mm. I think being transparent and being vulnerable is important so if you haven't seen friends or spoken to them in a few months or you've been very like off with them giving them one just be like look I've been having a very difficult year with this business I don't know what's going to happen and that's why I haven't been able to connect with you hope you don't mind would it be okay if we schedule a call just I think there's if your friends don't understand that then maybe they're not in the right place or maybe they're not the right people for you to have around and that's okay it hurts but you'll be okay mm. get a therapist <laughs> that's always my Again, medical advice moral of the story <laughs> <Yeah. in doubt. laughs> speak to a therapist now <laughs> oh my goodness Opway, i'm absolutely loving this i want to talk a bit about 
the change in mindset that you had to have going from reading and learning and more academic uh, kind of mindset and way of doing things to the entrepreneurial mindset, which I personally believe is actually a very different, a very unique way of kind of doing things and seeing the world. What was that transition like for you? And at what point do you feel like you really stood in or stepped into the shoe of being of owning the fact that you are a business owner you know what was that like for you I think there are a number of similarities Mm. on both sides academic and entrepreneurs are workaholics that's for sure (laughs) there are no weekends you just keep working 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 and both are also obsessed with their ideas Mm. obsessed but I think the one of the differences um, between an academic and an entrepreneur is it's a bit more practical and I don't want to annoy my friends who are academics <laughs> by saying this because of course what they do is very very practical mm. and very useful and is impactful but I can see the tangible results every day mm. whereas maybe for some of them maybe particularly I'd say in the legal field Mm-hmm. Um, or the social sciences, it might take a bit longer to see the results. I think another thing is I had to stop being hypercritical mm. and make decisions more readily. Because as an academic, before you make a decision, you'd be like, oh, let me go do the literature review. <laughs> what? So <I've> been... <laughs> different. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. No. <laughs> like, what have this academic said about this? And what is leading theorist? You don't have time to do that mm. when you're trying to decide who's the best supplier for, I don't know, these hoops. As I, you know, obviously you should compare, but mm. you don't have months and years to really explore the theories on jury and all of that, even though it's wonderful. So I think that's one thing. And I needed to be less critical because mm. as, as an academic, you're always encouraged to be hypercritical, hyper-analytical. Mm. And that sometimes can stop you from making decisions because you're so caught up in, oh, but I've analyzed all of this and it's not conclusive. And so therefore, just make a decision. So I think <laughs> those are some of the huge differences. And also talking simply i think i don't know if i've done it today but uh, my sister often says you're talking like an academic can you just make it simple (laughs) speak normally exactly (laughs) i love it you mentioned decisions Mm -hmm. what has been one of the hardest decisions you've had to make in your entrepreneurial journey Going full-time, going full-time at a time when I was really considering, because I'd had an awful time at a university that I'd worked in as a full-time academic and I was going to consider other roles Mm. and stuff. And I'd gotten to the point where one of the universities I really like called me for an interview. And I knew that if I'd gone for that interview, I would have fallen in love with that area and then I wouldn't make the transition. So I think making that leap and saying, or taking that leap and then saying, you know what, I'll pack academia for now and see where Omolola takes me. That was really difficult. How do we make those really difficult decisions? You make it scared. (laughs) You make it scared. You talk to people around you. Like, don't don't talk to your parents, ideally, because they'd be like, 
why are you doing that? Yeah. You've done a whole PhD. Like, so maybe not them, but like <laughs> everybody else, your siblings and your friends. And if you have a supportive partner, then maybe talk to them as well. Because having them say, you know what, whatever happens, I have you. Like I, I will support you, I think is really helpful. And at the end of the day, you still have those qualifications and skills mm. that you had anyway. So if you fall flat on your face, you can dust yourself up, have a shower, and think <laughs> I'll get another job. I love that. Have a shower part. <laughs> yep. Don't forget to wash. <laughs> Cleanse yourself. I love it. Oh, oh, my goodness. It's been such an awesome time to chat with you today. Thank you so much for coming down from Leeds to be with us here in London. I've got two final questions for you as we start to wrap up. Before I ask you the final two questions, Opwe, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, for showing us, particularly us young, ambitious women of colour, that if we have that goal, that vision and that dream, we can go after it. It doesn't have to be a full-time thing straight away. And if we just persist and keep going, we will get there. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you. And thank you for creating this space. I think it's really wonderful to have a space where you can learn about like different founders and different entrepreneurs and, you know, just see how they're getting on, discover the new wonderful things they're creating and putting out into the world. So, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that, Opwe. So the second last question is, what are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? I think number one is it's okay not to have it all together in the beginning. I think that that's really, really important. Um, It's okay to have other passions, I think. And it's also okay to have only one passion. If that makes sense. So the way I would describe that is I think my younger sister and family would probably say I'm obsessed about like um, I'm obsessed with fashion, but particularly like African owned, black owned fashion, Mm -hmm. because I think there's lots of talent out there that are not being showcased enough. And there's a beauty in how people share about themselves. You know, so I think that's my one and many passions. <laughs> and part of my many passions, I guess, is my cat. She's just everything, just my baby. So, yeah. So have a passion, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily have to be your one and only passion. You can have lots of passions. It's okay not to have it all together mm-hmm. in the beginning. You don't have to be perfect. And the third thing is look after your mental health. Mm-hmm. I think it's really, really important. You you cannot do anything if you're not there mentally in terms of your mental health is scattered it's you know not healthy just like you would want your physical health to be good you need your mental health to also be good so you can even if you're just thinking about the business so you can run a good business so you can be alive and happy and present and all of those wonderful things Mm. I love it Opwe, thank you so much for ha- for joining us today and coming on the show and being part of our 2022 London podcast tour. The final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, and that is, what is the value 
of pursuing what you're most passionate about? The value of pursuing what you're most passionate about is that you get to see if you really are about it, if that makes sense. So you don't just get to be in the dream stage. And I think dreaming is wonderful, but you also get to like see like, can I really do it? I love it, Opwe. Thank you so much for joining us again. It has been awesome. Absolutely. And for everyone else listening, stay tuned for the upcoming episodes from our London podcast tour. And thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. <laughs>